Are you recording? I'm recording. Are you recording? I'm recording. I don't even know what just happened. Your <laughs> clap sounded like it was really far away, and it was only two of them. That was pitiful. Okay. Do we need to restart? I don't know. You're editing. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll figure it out, I guess. Welcome to the 42 Podcast, where we discuss life together, looking for answers to life, the universe, and well, everything else. Here are your hosts, Rob and Lindsay. Well, hi. Good morning. Afternoon. Afternoon. Oh my gosh, it's afternoon. On a Sunday. Yeah, we're recording on a Sunday again. We're not famously wonderful at recording. I, I have taken measures. To try and mitigate that. <laughs> might be whiskey in my mug. Might not. We'll find out. No, we won't. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> mm. I don't know if that would make it better or worse. <laughs> Feel the burn. Okay. But yes, we're recording again on a Sunday afternoon. And it's my fault. Sorry. Oh, it sounded like you had a lovely excuse yesterday. <laughs> Uh, we did, we did. So, I, I kind of, I told you I'd talk a little bit more about it in the episode, and when we recorded. But you know, the past year for us, for Melinda and the kids and I, has been, it's been a challenging year, because she wasn't working. She was bringing in no income and doing her internships. Mm-hmm. So it's been, you know, we, there's been more cuts in our budget every month, especially with the way inflation's been going. Mm-hmm. than anything else so she wanted to do a thing with her first paycheck as with what she's doing and working in school and she got that paycheck and said hey we're going on an impromptu beach trip cool so where's the beach we drove down right. to my mom and dad's not close yeah <laughs> so it's like a day trip for sure you froze there you there yeah i'm here I think, I think my internet is being problematic. It could, it could be mine. All right. Um, Don't stop recording. I'm going to switch networks. Okay. Do I still have you, Lindsay? Yeah, you have me. Okay. Thank you to Comcast for once again being a literal pain. <laughs> But yeah, we did a impromptu beach trip as celebration of yay, we're back to two incomes and are in a state of recovery and we can go and do stuff more now. That's awesome. So That's yeah, awesome. You guys no, made the, it. Yay. Yeah, and there is no close beach. <laughs> hmm. The closest is just over three hours. And that's in New Jersey. <sighs> That's far. Well, we, we cheated. We went down to Mom and Dad, stayed with them for a night, and then got up early and drove to the beach closer to them. Cool. But further from us. Uh, yeah, it worked. It was a good trip. That's cool. Lots Did of driving. there in the morning? Uh, late morning. And then we spent, we spent like 40 minutes driving around trying to find a parking space. <laughs> that early? Wow. 
Oh my gosh, it was packed. It it was packed. It was a great day, but it was a lot of people. I mean, it's it's Labor Day weekend. It was the That's last true. hurrah for summer stuff. Everybody was out. Made for a great day. We had boardwalk food. We walked around. We we went onto the beach. Kids built sandcastles. Cool. That's great. Buried each other. Played in the surf. It, it was a good day. It was well good. needed. That's so good. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys got to get away. Celebrate well, Melinda. And celebrate. Well, she she wanted it as a celebration of, okay, you know, the kids and I have, we've done a lot to make this year possible for her. Because she, <laughs> internships are ridiculous. Where it's, okay, yeah. come work for us for free, get no money, work all the normal hours, and drive. Hello. Oh. <laughs> what? what I'm podcasting. Oh. Yeah. Close the door. Close the door. Go watch a show. Be quiet. Shut the door. Shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that was a great thing. But we do need to talk about something, Lindsay. What? I don't know. You're either in an insane asylum or like pre-heaven <gasps> yeah. with where you're at. It's uh, all white. Yeah, that's the rest of my room. I'm in my studio. You're in your brand new studio. And this is my... Look that's, at that. So that's uh, my, my Star oh, the, Wars curtains. <laughs> there you go. That's just the other side of them. I'm not used to yeah. seeing them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but, so... I'm in my room. I've got my I've got my built-in bookshelves, which I will take a picture of. If anybody cares, I will take a picture and post my gorgeous bookshelfie. <laughs> I I'm sorry. I I was really excited because your husband sent me a picture of the Daedric Mace on that bookshelf. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, that does look beautiful right there. It does. It's a perfect spot. Oh my spot. gosh. It's like he planned it. Yeah. Well, hey, good job, Colby. And you, your room's finished. It that was a beautiful renovation. He did a good job. He, yeah. He want to come down here for a couple uh, months and help renovate my whole house. <laughs> I'm sure he would for for income. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I the space is beautiful though, yeah, and you do really sound happy. a lot better. I do? Yeah. Oh, good. My, oh, audio, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the room is a lot more airtight than than the other one. You still have kids popping up, but that's half the fun of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except now they'll truly sneak in behind you like, hello. But now <laughs> I have a lock on my door. Ah, there you go. On the doorknob, like fancy people, like doorknob locks. <laughs> We've never had that. We've always had latches. You know? Okay, like, yeah, okay. Old colonial click-click. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's so how all So you're saying I... you ha don't have a lock on your door. It's like, oh, man, that kid has a nightmare at the wrong point of night. Well, what we've we've kid. been putting 50-pound weights in front of our door when the situation calls for it so that there's no way any accidents could possibly happen. But now we've <laughs> been able to retire those huge 50-pound <laughs> weights. 
we've had any accidents so far, and we don't mean to. <laughs> Pre-game, and I gotta, you know, lift some weights. Right now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Now we have an actual <laughs> sex lock. Okay, when your kids are older, they'll be like, yeah, we heard the thunk of the weight hitting the floor, and you know, <laughs> all of us are pulling the covers up over our head. And, oh, no! <laughs> the wonderful thing is your, your kids will remember and or connect when they're older. Over therapy. Yeah. We can split costs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, well, hey, the renovation looks great. Your little studio looks great. Yeah. Thanks. So, you, you've had some nice life progress wins this week. We, I've had some nice life progress wins this week. Mm-hmm. This, this Tuesday is my first day in the library. Well, I thought That's you already cool. had your first day in the library. Nope. It was two, Last Tuesday was their first day of school, and ah. the headmaster's like, we won't do a special on the first day of school. We'll wait till the next week, which is good, because... It gave me extra time to figure out exactly what I wanted to do for the first class, and and I'm even that more, more I'm even that much more ready now than I was, so more comfortable. Okay, yeah. so you're you're set. You're feeling yeah. pretty. I think so. I found a cardigan. Right. I found a blue cardigan. <laughs> it's so it's so nice. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't have a, like a, a dowel thing or a, a for for my closet, so I can't hang it yet. But look at the, how cute! It's blue, different patches of blue, which is school colors: blue, navy blue, light blue, and it's got pockets. And I just, oh, it's like what librarians wear, and I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, that's that's been a fun piece with Melinda as well. She's finding the bits and pieces for her her classroom and what she needs and you know the right kind of sweater to keep in her office yeah yeah it is fun seeing how educators there's a struggle to it but it is fun seeing how educators lean into their rooms their spaces and own that identity it's really cool yeah the perceived persona that you want to have as an educator like you <laughs> that's funny like this is what you're supposed to look like <laughs> yeah i and i gotta admit you know going back a bit i'm looking forward to when we talk to becky again in mm-hmm. like october mm-hmm. and do the next book club thing and and you know how how's the year started and what books are is she going to recommend for us it'll be a fun mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. but looking mm-hmm. ahead to next week before we really start talking some things uh, I've got a former student coming on next week. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fun. So, looking forward yeah. to that. He's he's in college. He's figuring out and navigating young adult life. Which, I mean, shoot, we've talked some of the things from what we dealt with when we were in in that stage of life, and uh, it was wild then. And it's only gotten worse. Mm, I can only imagine. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Uh, Nell Tice, who we we had on earlier, mm-hmm. she did a couple episodes talking like internet dating, how that works now, and I, you know, watching my students navigate that now, and 
how you meet mm-hmm. your spouse and what that looks. <laughs> the whole thing is complex. Yeah. The twenties are just. Thank God I'm in my thirties. Yeah. Yeah. Icky. Oh man. So, well, that'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be. It'll be fun. It, mm-hmm. it will be very different. He's he's a young man who was neat. It's neat talking with him and interacting with him. And the thing that gets me is the last time I saw him, he was about Ray's age. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Last wow. time he was a student of mine, he was about Ray's age. Wow. And now interacting with him as an adult, it's different. Yeah. You know, a handful of my students are married, and a couple of them have kids, and it's just, wow, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. Mm-mm. We're going to have a bit of a hodgepodge day talking about some life stuff and education and sourcing and fun bits. You can go first. You can go first if you want. Well, no, I think what we go first with, because it'll be a great, great launching point, is what you sent me yesterday you wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think that'll Um, be... Yeah. yeah. So, what did you send me? Well, there is an apologist named William Lane Craig, and he has a podcast and a ministry called Reasonable Faith. Um, His about page... Mm -hmm. It says... Their mission, Reasonable Faith, aims to provide an intelligent, articulate, and uncompromising Christian perspective on the most important issues concerning the truth of the Christian faith today, such as the existence of God, the meaning of life, the objectivity of truth, the foundation of moral values, etc. And it lists a bunch of cool stuff there. And William Craig... Um, Dr. Craig, he is a professor of philosophy at Houston Baptist University. Um, He's authored or edited over 30 books, um, including the Kalam Cosmological Argument, Assessing the New Testament Evidence for the Historicity of the Resurrection of Jesus Christ, Uh, tons of, like, hardcore stuff. And I've seen this guy debate. And he's he's scary. He's really smart. He's really intelligent. He's like the Ben Shapiro or something of apologists. Um, and anyway, so he has this question and answer part on his podcast. And this young guy named Kyle wrote in and he asks... You know, he asks a question and has a little paragraph, and Dr. Craig answers him. And Dr. Craig's answer, I find um, interesting, put it that way. And I would like to discuss your immediate thoughts on it and maybe get into um, the things he says. Because just considering how smart and intelligent this guy is, his answer is a little funny to me. Um so, okay. 
I read a couple things from what you sent me, and I read the one that you had said was the the oddest bit. And I, I think we'll have to post this somewhere. And yeah. my gut reaction, I'll give you that, and then we can talk about that. Should we is, read it first, and then get your gut reaction? Uh, we can post it, so if you want to hit pause, and we'll post it like up on Facebook right after the episode. Okay. So you can go through and read it and see the, the column itself. Sure. That that would be my thought. Okay. Okay. So hit pause if you want to go check Facebook, see if we posted that, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. All right, my knee-jerk gut reaction is this guy is trying to make a theological argument using a blunt object. I, there, there's no grace in it. There's no understanding of the human condition that the writer is writing about and his doubts. It's just, look, you gotta... And maybe, maybe there's a reason why it's a drawn line in the sand of you have to ask what is effectively your threshold of belief and you have to make a decision. And for me... That just rubs me the wrong way. Where where are you referring to in the paragraph from Craig? Um, because Craig is kind of saying that, like, the bar isn't very high. <laughs> the bar for belief is low. That's kind of what he's saying, or what it seems to be he's saying. Um, and I don't disagree with that, but it is... Um, what part are you referring to? It's towards. The, uh, hang on, let me find it. It's all the low stuff. Okay, God doesn't speak to me directly either in that sort of way as an inner voice, but I just mean a kind of fundamental assurance that one's faith is true. People often talk about this as an assurance of salvation, and I think that this is a privilege of every born-again Christian. I hope that Kyle is more than just a nominal Christian and that he's really come to experience the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit and that he's indwelt and filled with the Holy Spirit because I think that removes the huge ep- ep- I can never say epistemic. that epistemic bar that he thinks you need to get over in order to become a Christian. It's throwing it's throwing the writer under the bus and not acknowledging the human condition that is him saying I I want to do full interviews with Mary, you know, the writer of the original question says I want to do full interviews with Mary and and Christ and I want to have these understandings, you know, it feels like we should be able to have that access. Mm-hmm. And we do, but it's not in the way that is expected. And what I feel like Dr. Craig is doing is just saying, you know, you just have to believe. Remove your doubt. Don't don't address the doubt. Just believe and it'll all work out. You'll go to heaven. And And that's where I feel like he's throwing him under the bus. He's not addressing that human condition. 
Because how many times, and we talked about this a little bit, how many times when you were struggling through elements of your faith did people say you just have to believe? Yeah. And there is an element of that. There is a line in the sand that it's, okay, look, you do just have to believe. But you're allowed to ask questions. A question isn't a bad thing. And engaging instead with, you know, what, what I feel like Dr. Craig is doing is engaging not with the question, but with that lack of belief. Well, kind of, yeah. And mm. that's where I feel like he's trying to make an argument using just a bludgeon. Just believe, 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 everything else will work out. And and we've had these discussions. I'm, I do believe there's an, a line where it is, yeah, you know what, you do need to believe. But just sitting there to someone who's doubting and saying believe isn't walking with them and saying, I've had similar doubts. Here's where I'm at. I've mm. been on that journey. Here's where I'm at. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yes. But um, I think part of the thing that sticks out to me about Kyle is him saying, how much do we have to believe? How much, um, how much do we have to believe to, to be considered Christian? <laughs> um, I'm looking for the exact thing he said. Um, I can't find what he said, but Craig's response is, um, when I first heard the message of the gospel as a non-Christian high school student, that my sins could be forgiven by God, that God loved me, and that I could come to know him and experience eternal life with God, I thought to myself, and I'm not kidding, I thought if there is just one chance in a million that this is true, it's worth believing. So my attitude toward this is just the opposite of Kyle's. Far from raising the bar of the epistemic standard that Christianity must meet to be believed, I lower it. I think that this is a message which is so wonderful, so fantastic, that if there's any evidence that it's true, then it's worth believing in, especially when you compare it to the alternatives. So isn't he kind of saying that the bar for belief is super low? Like you don't even have to... I don't even know what that means exactly. Like, epistemology is the study of knowledge, like how we know things. So how much do we have to know, or how much proof do we need so, before we say, yes, you know, that's that's true. Uh, well, and that, that's an individual-based question. I mean, that's based on what your journey is, what your need in faith is. But here's where I would push back against what Dr. Craig argues with, if it's worth a one in a million chance, then it's worth taking. Well, that's Lindsay. what he's saying. Right, that's I know. That's what he's saying. And well, I, I don't think that's a good argument. I don't either. Okay, so we're in agreement. Yeah. And my argument against that would be, okay, Lindsay, 
when, what was it, the Powerball or the Mega Millions or whatever lottery it was that was up around like $1.5 back in June. Did you go buy a ticket? No. Why not? I mean, that one ticket is worth $1.5 and you have a one in a million chance. Why didn't you buy a ticket? What do you have to lose? <laughs> Might as well buy a ticket. Right. <laughs> yes. Or there's a one in a million chance that Allah is God or anybody else is God. So Yeah, and this <laughs> it's just kind of a stunning thing to say. Yeah, and like it's even to a degree demeaning saying Oh, you're an idiot. You don't understand that this is this is of extreme value. If it's a one in a million chance, is it of a, extreme value? What is of value is the individual experiencing Christ in the world. And you, you do that by, well, looking for him. You'll find Christ in the people of the church. And Jesus talks about how you know, when when I was hungry, when I was naked, when I was homeless, you gave me food, you gave me uh, shelter, you gave me you gave me what I needed. And his point in that is what you do in my name that is good to even the least of these is you living into who I am. That's you. Well, that's the world experiencing Christ manifest in each of us which is the work of the spirit which is the work of belief and faith which is the work of the church that's hmm. mm -hmm. badly summarized but I mean that's that's the goal that's the desire and my frustration is that when we miss that when we sit on on things that are this kind of high and mighty we don't see that this that the writer of the initial question is struggling with an element of faith that he wants to see in this world and see, yeah you know what you do have to cross a cross a threshold of belief but that threshold of belief isn't just someone yelling at you believe 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 it's worth a one in a million chance it's oh isn't that isn't that pascal's wager I, effectively, I mean, it's uh, kind of extrapolated, but it's if the atheist lives a life that's good and there is no God, then they've wasted nothing. But if the atheist lives a life that is good and there is a God, they lose everything. We're, and Pascal was saying, you know, to his atheist friend, you live your life. And if there's nothing, you lose nothing. If there's something, you lose everything. I'm going to live my life, and if there's nothing, I lose nothing. If there is something, I gain everything. And there's an argument for that, but that's more in the friendly banter than it is seeking who you have and draw influence from in your life. We've seen Bible thumpers for years... In that young adult ministry, we were kind of Bible thumpers in our way. And I don't think that draws people to Christ as much as just loving them. Mm. 
and loving them is being present knowing what they need knowing how to best serve and live as a community Hmm. and I think I've told you a little bit about how my summer went yes I I I kind of keep talking about this everywhere and I don't mean to do it in a braggy way so I feel weird talking about it here but you know at the church we created a moment and time for families and community to be present with an incredible resource that we have at the church now and just loving on people God showed up people showed up what do you mean God showed up I can't share every bit of story that I've had this summer like I I, I have to be careful but God showed up in people's lives in ways that I didn't expect. Like, like, can you give me a vague category of what that means? Like, what does that mean? Like something like, good happened, so it's God, or? It's not just something good, but provision where there was none, grace where there was none, um, a place of community where there was none, mm-hmm. things that have needed to happen... But the resource hasn't been there. Moments for uh, families to just be loved on by the church community in ways that were never expected. And so I'm being vague because kids are involved and, you know, telling stories that involve kids. I, I definitely need permission from families that are, you know, not related to me. Hmm. So... You know, there, there were moments where the church was able to just love on people. And if you want to look at the number of things, I tracked how many kids I, I had engagements with over the course of the summer, how many hours that came out to. And in all of my years of youth ministry, I have never had a summer like this. Never. I've done VBS programs, I've done creation, I've done campouts, mission trips. We've done all the traditional church stuff, and we've never had a turnout or connection like we've had this summer. And the hours that I put in are through the roof. And I'm, I'm not walking away going, oh, I'm exhausted. It's just we created a moment. For Christ to be in the community, for the presence of the church to be here and with people, and it worked. And I feel like that's what is missed sometimes when we sit and make these theological grand arguments, where it's if you want to see Christ, you have to be with people. You have to love on people. You have to see how that community building that is the church coming together. It's not just a series of beliefs, it's a series of belief in action. Yes. And I, I think that's probably what most people feel is the best thing about Christianity getting it right, is when it's a good community. But um, the only problem with that and arguing that that 
is how you get to know God is that there are a lot of communities that are really great communities that maybe are not Christian organizations, you know, so. And, and that's exactly it. There is an element of this where it falls off. And I, I can't argue that. There's what, an element where yeah. it can be manipulated. It can be used uh, dangerously for power, for uh, But how, yeah. And I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking for Kyle. How does he, how do we tell Kyle that Christianity is worth the cost? That... Because kind of what he's saying is Christianity costs you everything. But in the Gospels, Jesus is just so f almost flip, like, oh, you just got to believe. Or I'm not going to do anything here because nobody believes. Or believe, it's, it's so much about believing. It's so, it makes it sound so easy. <laughs> um, I, okay, all right. I got to fight you on this. I don't know why this is a, a favorite point of mine. Uh, no, I do know why. It's the Samaritan woman. Sorry, I got a ding over here. But the Samaritan woman mm -hmm. who was at the well. Okay. You know the story I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Jesus is left alone by his disciples. They go off to figure out what they're doing for lunch or get food or whatever they're doing. Okay? And Jesus is left alone. And this woman comes to the well. And from, from everything, what do you remember about the Samaritan woman? She's expecting to be rejected by Jesus. Right. Right, she's expecting to be rejected by Jesus, but why is she coming in the afternoon? Do you remember that bit? Yes, because she's a social outcast, because she is married, been married four or five times, and she's living with a guy that's not her husband, and people aren't very nice to her for that reason. So she goes to the well in the middle of the day when it's really hot and nobody else is around, so she's not hazed or heckled or whatever. Right, and not only that, but I mean, in context of the moment in history she's a samaritan jesus is a jew these are mm -hmm. people who do not talk mm -hmm. e even when jesus uses the parable of the good samaritan this is this would like be like someone standing up in church today and saying the the islamists the lgbtq activists the um in conservative churches the you know, pick who that other people group is, went and did good and is being commended for that good, and you, the church people, are being condemned for not doing that good. So Jesus doesn't just do this, you know, you need to believe. He interacts with these people who are on the outside edges, who are the social, cultural other and he interacts with them in love and grace, bringing them into the community, that's him, and into the community that is, you know, the whispers of, there's this, there's this guy, he's going around, he's doing things, he fed 5,000 people here, he kind of just disappeared here when they tried to kill him, he walked on water apparently, so there are these stories that are going around, 
And he just started, though, with the Samaritan woman, who's that social and cultural other, and all he did is talk to her. Didn't start off with sinner, turn and repent. He just said, hey, can I have some water? And that interchange, why are you talking to me? Why are you accepting me, social, cultural, other? Because if you knew who I was, you as a Jew who, you know, cleanliness and purity is a thing. Why are you asking me, the impure, for water? Okay. That's, that's bridge building. That's community building. That's disarming. Is that enough of a reason to believe that he's God? Well, at the end of it, is it enough for her? Is it enough for her to stand there and engage in a conversation with him that with ends him, with, yes, yes. With, with a bit of miraculous, with him being able to say, yeah, no, look, I get it. You're on your, what, second or third husband? You're not even married to him? You're living with him? You are an outcast. But I have water that you don't know about, the water of life, and it is for you. I mean, that that whole series, that whole escalation from him sitting there and just interacting in a way that built common ground, showed love, showed the miraculous. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, this is the model that we, the church, need to sit with. This is also why I've been pondering it, because this is the model I've been trying to kind of adapt and use and wrestle with, with what I've done over the summer. Don't don't run around Jesus 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 and if you don't you know turn or burn uh, no let me provide community first let me build relationship and let me just as best as I can in big and little ways show how Jesus loves the community by the way the Samaritan woman at the well is John 4 mm-hmm You look thoughtful and discontent. Mm. I don't know. I just don't know where that leaves a person who isn't sure. That doesn't, that isn't sitting with literally Jesus right now. <laughs> and Jesus isn't literally reading their mail right now. Well. Um. And that's kind of where I look and I go, this is where the church needs to be different. Because yeah. someone like Kyle, is it Kyle? Yeah, Kyle. He needs, I, I guess I would say it like this. Lindsay, do you believe that there's a president of the United States of America? Yes. Why? Because I've seen him on TV. Oh, but there are these things. They're called deep fakes. They're really amazing. And terrifying. Cut to the chase. <laughs> <laughs> there will always be a threshold of belief for someone. Always. But I'm not being called to worship Joe Biden. That's the thing. Is I'm not called to make decisions. No, you're not. Because of my belief. Well, that's the thing. With That's why it's different with Christianity. Because Christianity costs you everything. 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 
you're going to hurt people as a Christian that you wouldn't have to hurt if you didn't have to reject certain things and ideas and philosophies. You're going to have to make certain decisions that you wouldn't have to make if you could just relax. And I don't know. So it costs you everything. And I just, like, I get, I get what Kyle is saying. And, and, um, I, and I do too. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to disparage him. I'm trying to say that there, yes, there is a threshold of belief. There is a point of decision that you have to say. Yeah, I'm not going to have the answer to everything. But I think the way that it was approached was not one with grace, and and saying it's a journey. Walk with Christ by walking with what is His community. Yeah, but community is so good and so bewitching in a way. And so, like, of course you're going to, like, be with other people that all believe the same thing. And that are really nice. And that meet your needs. And uh, that are accepting and doing it the right way. And feeding you. (laughs) And doing all that good stuff. Yes, you're walking with them and knowing them, but how is that for sure walking with Christ? How is that exactly walking with Christ when there's other groups that do the same thing? You know what I mean? So that in itself, to me, isn't like necessarily Jesus. It's how Jesus might act, but lots of people agree with the way Jesus acted that that was good. (laughs) Lots right, of people so, like Jesus. <laughs> I, I, and I get that. I get that. Um, all right. So I'm a, I really should have looked this up. It's the second time I've referenced this this week. Two different books. I highly recommend them. You okay over there? It's the bottom of the coffee where all the grinds. Oh, rounds. yeah. Yuck. Yeah. yeah. No. All right. Anyway, two different books. Highly recommend them. C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. Yes. C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce. Yeah. The Great Divorce keeps me up at night. Like, yeah. it, it, its initial depiction of hell is my nightmare. Now, there's beauty in that book. And there's beauty in even how they depict hell. But for me, it's an existential terror. Um, in Mere Christianity... Lewis points out and makes an argument, and I can't remember where it is in Mere Christianity, so I'm a little frustrated on that. I need to go back, reread it, and find it, because this is the second time this week I've, I've made an argument from this section. That within everything in this world, because this world was initially created good, within everything there is a grain of truth. Some have more grains, some have less grains, but... They're there. I don't think he uses grain, but that there's truth in everything. Even the wildest, worst thing that we can imagine of belief or community, somewhere within it, there's a grain of truth. And it's not a grain of truth like, oh, they have it, therefore they are right. But it's a grain of truth that is, as Lewis argues, when it's found, it draws you closer and closer to God and the truth. That's Lewis's argument. And I agree with that. 
I think that's there. I think that is the inevitable nature of God to say, everything that is good, I will claim because it is good, I am good. Those elements of good, that is truth and is grace, is mercy, are his attributes, even when found in the weirdest, darkest corners of the world, is God. And it's meant to draw us to him. What was my argument out of the great divorce? Oh. Hmm. What? <laughs> Alright, the other argument out of the great divorce, mm. it's when Lewis meets, I can't remember, but it is an author who, uh, George MacDonald, there it is, it's the character who he writes as George MacDonald within the great divorce, and they're talking and they're discussing, and MacDonald makes the argument that everything that is good inevitably happens because of God and everything that is evil inevitably happens because of the brokenness and sin in the world. And that it is God's nature that he will reveal how he has brought the good and reveal how evil has entered in. Now, I'm, I'm broad-stroking these because I don't have the sections in front of me and I really need to look them up. <laughs> and that's what I look at with this world that's what I look at with even this argument and discussion where it's, I think it is God's inevitable nature, even in, I've been trying not to give this example, but you and I were in a young adult ministry. Mm-hmm. That young adult ministry for both of us had elements of negative and damage it did. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. But there's still good that came out of it. Yes. You know, that that young adult ministry would probably have loved to have seen my marriage tank. And self-destruct in a ball of fire. But the good that came out of that time is I met my wife. She and I have fought through everything. You know, we went to a beach to celebrate what was a year of tightening our budget every other month. Mm-hmm. And we made it work. And the only reason that we can do that, the only reason that she and I are 14 years into our marriage is because of that time period, because of the harsh and the bad that came in that time that drew us separately and together closer to God. So, yes, it's easy to look and say there are elements of the church and the community that are broken. The elements of community are always alluring to any community. I mean, that's why we build things like Schools and colleges, churches and community centers. We have this desire to be in relation with each other, even when we hate each other. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yesterday, I, I even said this at the beginning, you know, we drove around for 40 minutes at 
the beach trying to find a parking spot. And there were people all over that beach. If I got up onto the lifeguard chair and shouted, I love Donald Trump, what do you think would have happened? No idea. <laughs> Probably half that crowd would have wanted to throw tomatoes at me. If I did the reverse and I love Joe Biden. We were in Delaware, so I mean, there might have been more Biden fans than Trump fans. But, you know, again, I would have possibly angered half of that crowd. But everyone was there in community for one thing. What's that one thing? The beach. Nobody else cares about the politics of the moment. Everybody cares about the moment that is family. Ow. You have me talking on a Sunday. My throat's sore. I didn't even preach today. That was the pastor. Oh, and she did a great job this morning. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I may have cried. A little. A lot. I mean a little. Definitely didn't cry. But... It's that. I mean, community is alluring, even when we have difference. Mm -hmm. And there's good and there's bad community. But when you find a genuine community that wants to love on you, accepts you, doesn't matter what your politics are, accepts you, doesn't matter what your broad, crazy conspiracy theory beliefs are or what your beliefs are. They're the right form of belief and maybe that's even a part of the argument with Kyle. The right form of belief is just entering in and saying, okay, I think there's something to this Jesus. I want to know more. That's it. That's all he needs. And I don't say that to be demeaning to his questions. It's just, man, when you, you just let that little crack in, You have to eat it downstairs, okay? Don't eat it up here. <laughs> you are looking like a frazzled mother. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. <laughs> but you let that little bit of crack in, that little bit of... There may be something to this Jesus thing. The questions come, the answers come. It... it it's not to minimalize the threshold of belief. It's just to say there's a lot and there's a lot you're going to find. And it's not just a, I have the answers immediately. It's I'm about to go on a journey that, yeah, you know what? It's going to cost me everything and I'm going to get everything back tenfold. Hmm. I, my life, my walk with faith has been has pretty much cost me my insanity cost you your insanity not my insanity my sanity thank you it it has cost me my sanity i mean i look back over the years i'm like holy smokes i was effectively a part of a christian cult i've worked for some really unique and interesting characters over the years i have been a part of good and bad i was a uh, hellfire and brimstone for a little while holy roller bible thumping but in the end where I'm at with this journey with 
I'm not even in the end yet. Good God, I want I want more of this trip. Hmm. And yeah, I've gone insane five or six thousand times with it. But at every moment, it's wow. Something new, something worth it. You know, I. <coughs> sorry, my throat keeps drying out. Uh, you know, again, looking at what this past year has been for my family, it, it's kind of like that where it's okay. It was a really tight year. And it, it, it didn't, we didn't get any relief. We wound up buying a house in this year. We weren't ready to buy a house. We, before this year started, when we're trying to get everything saved up, we had to buy a car. Well, that's, that's an expense that we didn't want to start with. Um, and, and it's been, you know, every turn in what this year has been, has been hard. But sitting here, in this moment after, it, it's a good summary of what it is like to walk with faith, where it's, yeah, you know what, we give up, we give up, we give up. But out of that, there's growth, there's growth, there's growth. Us as a family, we're, we're more tight-knit. We're bonded together in a better and new, new way. Mm-hmm. We have a love of Frisbee golf now. <laughs> I never thought I'd be that guy who's like, hey, let's go play Frisbee golf. It's cheap, it's free, it's fun, and okay, occasionally we throw the Frisbees in the crick and I have to go for a walk. <laughs> you know, it, to me, that's what I look at with faith, with that threshold of belief where it's, yeah, you're you're giving up, but you're gaining. You're accepting a process of growth that is uncomfortable, and I have been diatribing and monologuing for a while. Can I shut up? <laughs> Tell me what you think. Tell me where your head is. I don't know. <laughs> you don't? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Right. I just, well, yeah, just processing and wish I had better answers. <laughs> More, uh, trying to define between something I'm really familiar with mm. and something I actually believe to be true. Am I just a part of this family and feel comfortable in this family, in this community? How do I know what the difference is between that and actually ascribing to the beliefs that I'm supposed to? And what does believing mean anyway? Like, so just sort of wrestling with some things, but... That's okay. You know that, right? I've said that before. It doesn't feel okay. <laughs> it doesn't feel okay because for generations the church has said it's not. <clears throat> and that's not okay. Mm. But it's okay to doubt. It's okay to ask. It's okay to say that you're not. And you just need a, a moment to breathe and reset on faith or community or, 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 or. It, it, that's okay. Yeah. Shoot, you know, that's, that's my stance. We've been arguing about this for years and, and arguing is <laughs> not the right way to phrase it. Tossing the football. <laughs> yeah. But that's, 
that's the beauty of what life is. Mm. You know, I... <sighs> you ever think of me as someone who doubts? I think you might to a degree, but your existential terror keeps you from doubting too much. I don't think you would let yourself really doubt or really open that door because of the terror of there being nothing. Oh, no. Actually, the terror of there being nothing is not a thing for me. Well, what the heck does existential <laughs> terror mean, then? You, you know what I'm actually truly terrified above anything else? Like, if I think about it for too long... Going I, to heaven I'm and being bored? <laughs> Yeah. I'm not kidding. Like the What if we're right and it is heaven and it's awful? <laughs> oh no no, it's not like oh no, it's going to be awful. I that one I figured out a while ago. But it's just the idea of holy crap, it's eternity. I look back at 5 years ago and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that was forever ago. What am I going to do with eternity?" Like, I get twitchy about that. Yeah, and, and it's why uh, C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce, it's mm -hmm. why it actually terrifies me. Is because what they portray in the beginning of The Great Divorce is this space that is continually twilight. It's never sunrise and it's never sunset. And, and you even said this, I've been chewing on this since, you know, we talked with Ken and Nell. Mm-hmm where you were talking about liminal spaces, those transition spaces, where you're not here and you're not there and you exist somewhere in between. Spooky. I'm not mm -hmm. okay with that. No. And, and that's what Lewis describes as hell, is this liminal space that is an existence without purpose. You exist. That's it. There is no movement. There is no growth. There is no death. There is just existence. I'm more okay with the idea that I will live and die and that's it than I am with the idea of I will live and die and then live forever. Like, is there a million year nap option in this somewhere? Yeah. I th like that piece of it is the existential terror for me. It yeah. would be easier to walk away and say I'm going to live and I'm going to die. Screw it. That's easy. Crap, that's easy. The idea that I'm going to live, die and then live forever actually terrifies me more. And part of the element of faith that is my journey is then looking and saying Okay, I'm going to live, I'm going to die, I'm going to live forever, and somehow, some way, there's purpose in that eternity, and I won't go insane. Yeah. That's, that's my existential terror. That is... <gasps> what? Yes, I already told him, he, Miles, he could have something to eat. Please go downstairs, stop coming in the room, okay? Go eat. Close the door! Close the door! 
you need to flex with the 50 pounds of sex bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my existential terror is more related to actually my belief than it is my a lack of belief. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, both things are terrifying. Maybe it's the same kind of terror. Because I don't think we actually believe we won't exist. I think it's really hard to actually believe you won't exist. Like, how, that, what does that even mean? Like, that's weird. And, and I so think that is actually... two sides of the same coin. And I think that's actually chalked up to the fact that I, I do believe eternity is written into our hearts and minds. I don't know how. I don't know how it fits. It actually kind of, again, bothers me on that. But I think it's written in our hearts and minds that eternity is something that we were meant for somehow. Not in the heavenly realm. I think, I, I, I've said this in the past, I, Revelations gives us a picture that God is going to recreate the heavens and recreate the earth, and that we are a part of that. So I don't think it's going yeah. to be heavenly choirs and robes, but... Oh, I hope not. Yeah, me too. Because if I've got an eternity as a choir boy, I ain't going to do well. I will sing praise. But uh, I don't think I'll do well as a choir boy. Let me go be a gardener. Let me, And I think that's part of it. Where it's we're meant to create. We're meant to build. We're meant to have a purpose in how we think and how we act. And what we build and do and create in community. And I think that's the purpose that we will live into. That's the hope I have to cling to. Because mm. again, that existential is... Eternity's a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. On that note. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. <laughs> yeah. You provided your own fodder for nightmares. I know. But I'm trying to be honest. Where you know, if I if I said that there's an existential terror, I need to be honest as to what it is. Excuse me. All good. Hmm. Lindsay, on or off podcast, you know I'm always here. Same thing for all of our listeners. I'm always here. We love your questions. We love your thoughts. We love it when you come on and talk with us. We're gonna have Chris on next week. That's gonna be a neat conversation, talking through life, navigating it. Hmm. Finding that purpose in community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yep. smokes. Finding purpose in community. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey. It'll be good. Hey, we did pretty good for a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. I was not trying to fall asleep in the middle. <laughs> 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 Just your kids wanting to take nap times. Yeah. Hey, it's oh. okay. So. Yep. All right, you good? Yep. Okay. Have a good rest <laughs> of the afternoon. You too. We'll talk to you later, Lindsay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the 42 Podcast. Please take a moment to like and subscribe. And if you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter to add your voice to the conversation.
Thank you.